to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. E mau ngā rongo ki runga i te whenua he whakaaro pai ki ngā tāunga takatoa. Nō reira e pāpā, manākitia mai mātau i roto i tēnei wā. Uh, arahina mai mātau i tēnei wā, i tēnei hāhi, i tēnei uh, tuarao, i tēnei whare, uh, he hōnore, he kroria. Kei ngā mate huhua i te au i te pō, i te au i te pō, moi mai, moi mai, a moi mai rā. Uh, hoki atu ki te kāhui āriki ki tēnei whenua, uh, ki ngi tū heitea pōtatau te whero whero whata tua whitu. E noho mai nā i runga i te ahurewa tapu, ona mātua ona tūpuna, te kāhui āriki whānui tonu, a pai mari rekea rātau. Uh, huri rauna ki te hunga ora, a tātou nei ki a tātou, a tēnei mihi atu ki a koutou i tēnei wā, ki tō haramai ki te whakamoimiti, ki te whakakroria tanga o ihoa o ngā mano, a tēnā koutou, a tēnā koutou, a tēnā koutou, a katoa. Uh, just really briefly, what I've just said there is I've just honoured God, um, my Saviour. God saved my life and I'm going to share that about you. So I honour God everywhere I go. First and foremost, I honoured God and that mihi that I just did. And then I honoured uh, our, our past loved ones that have gone and stood the ground before us and prepped the harvest for us, before us as well, and that have gone and preached the gospel. I have acknowledged them as well. And then I also um, have acknowledged um, our, our Māori king who sits on his ahurewa tapu, wai, kōnei, tēnei whenua, king i tūheita, and his whānau te kāhui āri ki whaimārire. And then I've also brought it back uh, to the whānau here. Thank you very much for the warm welcome. I feel very at home here. I feel very at home here. It's, it's, it's funny because, um, oh, you'll find out soon. Um, I grew up with um, my nanny, and it seems like there's quite a few of us here. For quite a few nannies here. I'm a nanny's boy. <laughs> yeah, so, yes, um, so, mihiana, mihiana, uh, mihiana kia koto katoa. Uh, I just want to... Um, on a couple of people before I get started. Um, where am I? So I, I'm going to get lost a little bit. I, I tend to go off if I don't stay here. So I, 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 I tend to go off. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to honour. I just want to honour. This is my uh, beautiful family. This is my beautiful family. I actually sort of said that with more enthusiasm. <laughs> so first of all, as you can see, just over here, sitting on my lap, uh, that's my uh, son, that's KJ. He is four, he's going on five. He will turn five very soon in February. Um, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> this young man has come a long way in his photogenicness. He has, and his haircutness as well. Uh, I'll tell you what, the last... Um, the last photo shoot that we actually did, it was like, oh, it was like an, a scene from The Exorcist or something, you know? It was like, no, you will not get my photo. It was like that, pretty much. And all day, the whole photo shoot, he was crying. Every photo, he was crying. And so that's our beautiful son. That's our beautiful son. And he's going to school, praise God, soon. And, um, and, and he's, a, he's, yeah, he's a good little boy. He is a good little boy. Um, Hazley, that's our little girl. Um, she is four, or three going on four. And the thing with Hazley is you don't know whether she's a daddy's girl or a mummy's girl. It pretty much just goes with the tide or whatever. Because uh, if, I'm, if I'm going out to the shop or I'm going to the dairy or I'm going to my car somewhere, she's daddy's girl. She's running out of the driveway. She's like, Daddy, take me with you. Uh, just this morning we had that too, and 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 the, and she's a very very independent young lady. She is. Before she was even two years old, she was you know jumping out of her cot. As soon as she jumped out of her cot, that was her. She's independent. She could jump out of the cot before she was two years old. When she turned two years old, she was actually jumping out of the window. I actually took a video. I'm, I'm actually 
TikTok famous. Uh, I put it on TikTok and she jumped out of the window. Oh, she, she showed me how she did it. She jumped out the window and she was playing with her toys outside. We could hear this. Uh, we wake up in the morning and we could hear somebody outside our back, our, our back lawn. And then we looked out and it was her. And we're like, what? How did you get out of there? She jumped out the window. Before she, or went, while she was two years old also, you know, you walk past the room and she's changing her brother's bottom. He's, she's changing his, his nappy. I walked into the kitchen one time and she has the drawer open. She's got her bowl. She's got all the cornflakes tipped in, the milk and sugar all over the place, made a big mess, making her own breakfast. A very, very independent girl. She's going to look after me one time. She's not sending me to a, a rest home. I'll tell you that much. She's going to be looking after me one day. Um, Kahui Junior. Yeah, Kahui Junior. So, um, so those are our babies. Um, our babies are actually gifts uh, from God for us. So they're whangai children. Um, so we've whangai them. We've adopted them. Um, since uh, KJ was two months old and Hazley was four, four months old. So they're our whangai children. I also have older children. And my older daughters are in their 20s. And I've got a 15-year-old. Yeah, I know. I look like I'm in my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> and my older son, he's 15 years old. Uh, okay. And so, and then um, here we have my beautiful wife, Maurice. My wife is actually um, um, God's faithfulness to me. God's promise to me. God promised me her. And throughout the whole five years that I stayed single, while well, I went out and served him, and I moaned to him, where's my wife? Where is she? The whole time, he was being faithful to me. And he was molding her while he was molding me, uh, and while he brought me out of the gang and brought me out of that lifestyle. So that's my beautiful wife, Maurice. She comes from Hauraki, uh, raised in, uh, from Thames, and raised up in a little place um, just before Dargaville called um, Tinopai and Druawai. Yeah, so that's, that's us, Fanu. Um, I just really want to mahi to uh, Murray yourself and Jenny. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for trusting me. With You know, it's not easy. I've been a pastor of a church before, and it's not an easy thing to uh, let somebody come and uh, preach at your pulpit. It takes a lot of trust, and it takes a lot of, um, you know, prayer. So I really want to honor you guys uh, at this time. It's great um, to be here. Um, and to be in uh, Hannah and Jace's home church, um, they send their regards. Well, they, you probably see them all the time. But, yeah, we were trying to get them to come here today, but it didn't happen. <laughs> um, and also, I just want to acknowledge um, Aaron and Amy. Actually, you played it down a little bit. They actually really support our ministry. So we have a ministry um, called Fariki Ministries which uh, is our itinerant pastoring ministry, and we do youth mentoring, and we do uh, serving into the community, food bank and everything. We've just come back from the Philippines recently, doing a, a mission trip over there, and Amy and Aaron always support our, um, our ministry. So I just really want to honor you there, bro. And then one, one more, um, one more here I want to do is to, Hannah's dad, where's Hannah's dad? Now, mate, I've been told by your daughter that you're an amazing man and you're not going to heckle me today. <laughs> she said, oh, my dad, you'll know my dad. He's the short one. He's probably going to heckle you today. So I just want to say, in Jesus' name, please don't. <laughs> okay. Now, I just want to thank you. Uh, thank you for your worship, too, this morning. Thank you very much. Um, so all of that being said and done. <coughs> I have um, I just uh, I just want to honour everybody that's here today. I really hope that um, the word that I bring today uh, resonates with somebody here today. Most of the places where I go to, I have to step out in faith. Most of the place, or every place I go to, I have to step out in faith. And if you know about stepping out in faith, it's hard and it's uncomfortable. Most of the time, you don't want to do it. I just I, I put up a swakatoki just uh, this proverb uh, just rec uh, recently, and it went something like this: the magic that you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. Oh my gosh, is there a Graham or a Marie here? 
Graham or Marie? Mary? Maria. Might be Maria. Pardon? Marie. Maria. Okay. Okay. If there's a Marie here, or Maria, come and see me after this. Or somebody, you know, um, I've got a word for a Marie or a Graham here. But I'll just, I'm not going to carry on uh, in that because I, I do believe that we've only got three hours. <laughs> hey, God's good, eh? God is good. Even when we lose, God is still good. Amen? Even when we don't get our will, God is still good all the time. Amen? Oh, he is. Um, so, in saying that, nō reira, kō waiau, kō waiau. I te taha o tōku pāpa, ko taupiri te maunga, ko waikato te awa, ko tainui te iwi, ko Nāti Āmaru te hapu, ko uh, te pua o waikato uh, ki tōku pāpa, uh, ko Martin Kupa uh, ki tōku nei pāpa. Um, this is my father, Martin Cooper, uh, former president of Black Power Auckland. Um, he was one of the um, founders, and he's still um, to this day, even though he's retired himself, and he has a lot to do with politics these days. He was one of, um, what was the old prime minister? Muldoon? Yeah, he had really close relationship with Muldoon uh, back in the 80s, 90s, and there was, you know, he, he was part of the the beginning of the black power. So that's my father, Martin Cooper. I te taha o tōku māma, ko māmaru te waka, ko, ko um, tūnaki te maunga, ko te maire te awa, ngāti kahu, te, te iwi, uh, e te pātū, te hapū, uh, ko te ahua, te marae, um, ko lili, uh, tōpi, uh, tōku māma. Uh, this is my mother, Lily Topi. My mother has spent 28 years in prison. Uh, my mother is um, still, uh, still uh, is in this lifestyle. My mother has been a gang member for all of my life, most of her life. Still a part of that lifestyle. Drugs, alcohol uh, is a part of her life. And gangs. And my mother, we actually did a bit of a count-up um, a few years ago of how many years she's actually spent in prison, in and out, in and out, and it was, it came up to 28 years. I think her longest one was eight, eight years. My mother was the former fraud queen of New Zealand, they called her one time. Uh, back in the 80s and 90s, there was a program uh, called Crime Watch, which was, you know, the equivalent to Police 107 today, and my mother was frequent flyer on Crime Watch at uh, we can yeah we can laugh about it today my mother and I and our family, uh, but back then I used to see my mother on on TV for that reason, looking for this lady. Anoreira, Kokahui, Winiata, Topi, Toku Ingwa. Church, I'm going to talk to you about uh, my life as a as a as a gangster, and my radical conversion and my radical transformation um, that happened that took me from uh, this person a drug dealer, a drug addict, prison frequent flyer, woman beating, lying, cheating, uh, gang president to the person that stands before you today. I've traveled many countries uh, ministering God's word. I've traveled all over this country. I'm a, I go around the country now teaching. I've got two diplomas from Bible college. Um, I'm a business owner now. I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a husband, and an itinerant pastor. And for today, uh, your communicator if that's okay. Pre-warning, just a pre-warning. Um, 
God's story of transformation in my life, whānau, has the ability to do a, to do a couple of things. Uh, it has the ability to bring tears, usually on my behalf. So I'm going to need probably some tissues. But it will also, if you're listening, if, you, if, you, if it resonates with you, it will bring freedom. So from young, as young as I can remember, um, I felt, I've always felt unwanted. I've always felt rejected. I've had this huge spirit of neglect over my life. My parents were always, my, my parents were absent a lot. Um, I was at the, I, I remember when my mother was out of jail and I was with her, I spent most of my time at the Black Power headquarters uh, where she would be always just drinking and, uh, and smoking drugs and fighting and doing whatever they do. I remember I had, had you know, one of my younger birthdays there. But, you know, I was even still in that place, even though she was there, she wasn't there. She was absent. She was not there. She was not there for me. She was always wasted, uh, always wasted on drugs. My father, uh, being the president of the Black Power, was very absent in my life. He was never there. He was more worried about uh, the gang. He was more worried about, you know, all the people that he, because he was the president, that he had to look after. And so he was more, more present in the gang than he was in my life. Um, I also had a stepfather who was actually... He was in, in and out of jail as much as my mother was. So while my parents were, uh, you know, making pr uh, frequent visits to prison uh, and doing their own thing, I lived with this lady. Um, can't find many pictures of her, so this is one that I've kept. Uh, I've kept it. This is my grandmother. Um, very grumpy old lady. It was very stern. Very, very strict lady. But this is where I, I found that I, um, I grew a sense of stability in my life. So with this lady, I had three meals a day. With this lady, I went to school every day. With this lady, I always, if it was cold, because I grew up in Masterton. I'm actually going there today after this. Um, but we lived close to the mountains, very cold. So with this lady, whenever I'd bike to school, if it was freezing, she wouldn't drive us to school. She'd put like three layers of socks on my hands. She'd, you know, make sure that I was warm. But she would make sure that I was, even when I was sick, she would look after me. She would care for me. And so I felt loved. And so I always, with my grandmother, that sense of neglect would be gone. You know. I love my nan. I love all my nans. I've got, I've got a few left. And, um, and I'm very close uh, to them. If you've got a nan here, um, man, get close to them. They've got the stories. They're just so beautiful. But that's where my sense of stability uh, would come from. I remember my mother would go to prison quite a lot. So I'm just going to share my testimony very briefly. Um, and my mother would get out of prison. She would come to my grandmother's and she would come and pick me up. I remember one time my, gran my grandmother comes out and I was playing on the road, playing, um, playing with my mates. Uh, we were playing in the middle of the road. You could back in those days. Uh, I think we were playing bat down or cricket or something. And, um, you know, when a car would come, you just yell out, car, get off the road. And then they'll go past and then you come back on, keep on playing. My, my grandmother called out to me one time. She said, um, come here. And I went to her and she goes, your mum's getting out of prison next week on Wednesday. I just remember the joy. I remember this joy, oh, my mum's going to come and get me. My mum's going to come and get me. I'm going to be okay. We're going to be a family. And then what would happen is my mum would get out of prison. She would come and get me. And then about a month later, she'd be locked up for something else again. Then I'd be back with my grandmother. Happened many times. Many times. I remember that feeling. The feeling of yearning for my mother. The feeling of just wanting... Wanting my mum, so um, she'd go back into prison. I also remember the time that I didn't care anymore. So my my grandmother, she did this quite a couple of a few times. Your mum gets out next week. Your mum gets out on, on Wednesday. You only let prisoners out on Wednesdays. I don't know why, but 
your mum's getting out next week, and I just remember the time. I remember it in my heart when I just said to my grandmother, so? I just didn't care anymore. She was, super, uh, she was letting me down. I just felt neglected all the time. So I just remember, I'm staying here. And then my mother got out. Her and my grandmother had a fight um, because my grandmother wouldn't let me go. I remember my grandmother and my mum just standing there arguing and my mother said, well, I'm taking him. And my grandmother said to her, well, don't you bring him back. When you get locked up, don't you bring him back again. And I just, I remember my mum taking me. I was still happy. But then she was, it wasn't even a month later and then she was getting locked up and she was going away for a while. And so, because my mum knew that she couldn't send me back to my grandmother, she sent me with my, uh, my uncle. My uncle, my uncle, this man was a really bad man, a really bad man. This man would beat myself and beat me like I was an adult. I was only like 10 years old. He would use me as a punching bag. He would... You know, he was so bad. Like, I remember one time he beat me up, and it was just because I didn't dry the dishes properly. And he pushed my eye sockets. I thought I was going to go blind right in. Um, and then, like, uh, about a year later, he just got really bad to the point where um, sexual abuse became a part of my, my life at his house. Sexual abuse was just really bad. I'm, I usually, um, depending on the crowd, would go into a deeper, but I'm not going to do that because I see a few um, kids here. But that's when my, where the bitterness even grew more for my grandmother, uh, for my mother. I just started hating her. You should just do your job. You should just look after us. So I just grew this resentment towards my mum. Last time I was here, I actually spoke about, um, uh, in the back there with, with the youth, I spoke about uh, generational curses and, uh, and how in Exodus it speaks about you shall not bow down to them, worship them for, uh, in Exodus 20, sorry, uh, verse 5, it says you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third generation uh, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And I spoke about how unfair that is for God to punish children for the sins of the fathers. But let me tell you, this, this, there's more actually to it. Um, the effects of the sin are naturally passed down from one generation to the next. When a father has a sinful lifestyle, his children are likely to carry on that lifestyle. The same sinful lifestyle, right? This is real. This is real, guys. I ended up being a mirror image of my father and my mother. Their lifestyle became mine. Therefore, their sin became my sin. I ended up growing up, and um, I, I got out of that life, and then I ended up, um, my grandmother passed away when I was 13. So when I went from, um, I ended up in foster homes. I ended up going to prison when I was 15. And then prison, uh, I actually ended up being uh, so lonely and so rejected. I just, that neglect just grew over me more that I ended up joining the gang. I ended up joining Black Power. I joined Black Power when I was 14. Just uh, as a prospect, a prospect, you have to do whatever, whatever they say. And so when I went through, uh, the, when I went, that was 1994, I started with Mangukaha up in Auckland. And then uh, by, the t by the time I was 15, I was in prison. Uh, my first time in prison. And get this, it was actually my mum that helped me get to that. My mum was into fraud and everything. She got out of prison at one time and then she gave me these uh, fraudulent checks to take into a bank to cash them out and then I ended up getting arrested, ended up in prison. The influence that I had over me, this was the influence. I can speak about this now because me and my mother are good now. And so um, life, uh, life of drugs, alcohol, abuse, um, the life that uh, my parents lived, the, 
um, the violence, the prison life um, that they lived became my life. I went to prison many times, many times, in and out, in and out, in and out. I wanted to be a gangster. And so uh, eventually I became a gangster. I, I eventually got my uh, patch, my kurowai, the, the patch that goes on our back. I eventually got that. I wanted to be a patch member. I wanted to be one. I became one. And I wanted more. There was still something missing. There was still something missing. And so I wanted to be the best drug dealer. I, I started becoming a drug dealer. I was pretty good at it. Well, not really. I ended up smoking my own stuff, my own supply. They say don't get high on your own supply. I did. But I ended up being, I wanted to be a, a big time drug dealer because I wanted power. And so I started um, selling drugs and then I was, I was pretty good at it. Um, cars, money, drugs, bikes, cars. I wanted them. I got them. And then I was thinking, man, I, I, I want to be, I want power. I want to be the boss. I want to be the boss. And so I told my old man, my, my stepdad, who was also the president of um, Mangukaha down in Oportsuki, and I, and I was telling him, man, like, you need to stand down. You're too old now. And then when he stood down, I, I got um, voted in as the president. I, was just kept, I just kept on wanting more. I was searching for something. Every time when I was around my, my whanau, or the bros, the brotherhood, I'd, I'd want to, um, you know, I'd put on parties, drinking parties, drug parties, just for them to hang out with me. But inside I was still lonely. Inside I was still felt rejected and still felt neglected. I always f tried to find love in other people. I was so lonely. I could be in a room full of people and still feel lonely. Somebody's here today. The room is full and you feel lonely. I, really, I want to tell you, this message is for you today. Now, uh, one day, I, life was always up and down. One day, uh, September 29, 2015, something very, very powerful, a huge encounter happened to me. At the time, the, my partner that I had, she uh, didn't like the person that I was, so she eventually, she left me. She jumped on a plane and she went to Australia. I've tried to go to Australia a couple of times, they've kicked me home. I'm not allowed out of the country because of my criminal record. And so she left the country and I just felt like that was the end of the world for me. It was like the last straw for me. I'd had girlfriends, I'd had people that would always come into my life and then leave me, but they would always leave me and I'd always be really down about that. And so this, this was the last straw for me. Many times in my life, especially when I was a child going through that child abuse, I tried to take my own life. I tried to take my own life. You know, people say that it's the easy way out. It's not. I've, been, I've sat in the spot a few times where I've been like, wanting to take my own life, but I couldn't build up the courage to do it. And so this time, I was so drugged up and I was so, um, so drunk that I built up the courage when she left me. I had got drunk and I'd got on all of my drugs to build up enough courage to take my own life. Because my life was like, I just wanted love. Just someone to love me. I know what love looks like. I know what love looks like. You know what love looked like to me at that time? I remember when I was young and I was playing for Marist Wairarapa and uh, I was playing rugby and my friend, he scored a try. And we all went, ran up to him and we're like, yeah, yeah, we we're going to go champion him. And he scored a try and he ran straight to the sideline where his parents, his dad lifted him up and embraced him. I remember being so young looking at him just like, man. I want that. That's what love looks like. Love looks like, you know, when, um, when, you've, got your, when you've got a baby and your baby, when, when you're holding them, you know how they tuck their arms in this, this little part here? They tuck their arms in to get comfortable because they so, feel so protected, so loved. That's what I looked for all my life. And I, and I just felt like it was being taken away from me all the time. And so this one moment I came to the point where I was, I actually had the noose around my neck, ready to jump. 
And I'd heard about this God. I'd heard about this God. I'd heard about him in prison. In, in, in prison, we'd always go to church on Sunday, but it was only to meet up with our other friends from other wings. I'd heard about, you know, I, I know about the Bible. I haven't read it before. I've smoked it. In prison, we use it as cigarette papers. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd known about the Bible. I'd known about God, but I didn't know that God was real. And so I got to this point where I was right at the end of myself and I said, man, if you're real, man, hopefully I'll see you soon. Because I'm over this. I was swearing my, my, my head off, you don't love me. But I just felt this sense of, well, at this time, when I came to, right to the end of myself, I said, if you're real, if you're real, I need you. In an instant, in an instant, this is what happened. God's presence came into that room and it grabbed me and it held me. It took the noose off my neck and it picked me up and it lifted me and it put me down to the ground and it sat with me. And all I heard was this, we're going to be okay, my boy. In that moment, I knew it was God. In that moment, I knew it was God. I would not be here eight years later. Eight years later, if it wasn't for that encounter. Because church, man, church is hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Ever. But because God showed himself to me that time, you know, that stuff that I've been wanting, that embrace, God just grabbed me and just held me. And all of that stuff that I've been wanting in my life, that joy, all of that neglect, that rejection was gone. All I felt was protected and safe and warm. I knew this was God. September 29, 2015, I gave my heart to the Lord. I gave my heart to the Lord and I vowed that I would serve you. I will serve you for the rest of my life. God, please look after me. God, please take care of my heart. The sore that's in my heart, please look after it. Please take it. I'm yours. That's hard to say. But I said it in that moment, and glory, hallelujah, man, God showed himself to me. God showed himself to me. So I want to preach about it. Can I preach? Yeah, I want to preach about it, finally, about the transformation that God has done in my life in the last eight years. To do that, I'm going to go to our text, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. If you've got a Bible, it's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the um, Christian, um, the CSB. I'm reading from the CSB. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you have a phone or a tablet, that's okay. Moses used tablets too. Hey! I finally got a laugh. My wife tells, she's shaking her head. I always try that one and, and it doesn't work, but I got a laugh. Yes, hallelujah. Yeah, we also know that God, hey, he, he likes to drink coffee too. Hey, why do we know this? Because Hebrews. My wife's telling me to stop it. Sorry, I'll repent. Forgive me. Uh, <laughs> our text today, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says this. Oh, there we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, or what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Lord, for this word. I pray it resonates with somebody who needs to hear it, Lord Father. I pray, Father God, that you will let me decrease right now as you increase. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to keep the scripture up for a little while. 
So there's lots of things in this world that transform. I've seen gang members transform from one gang to another gang. You know, electrical transformers, they transform um, uh, from one circuit to another. Was, you know, you can see, um, these days you can see uh, cars transform into a boat. If you go down to Rotorua. Um, couches transform into beds. Obviously, the, the obvious one, transformers. Transform, uh, you know, aliens that transform into cars, into vehicles. So in order for me, uh, in order for something to transform, it means that it changes from one thing to another. It changes into something different, amen? And as we look into the text uh, that the Apostle Paul is calling us, he's calling us to be transformed. It's important to realize as we study the book of Romans that a shift takes place here. Here in, uh, a shift takes place uh, here in chapter 12. Um, the previous uh, um, chapters, uh, Romans chapters 1 to 11, uh, is telling pretty much everybody that, telling his audience that um, how to attain God's righteousness. He says that it's not through the law. He says that it's, uh, you know, although some of the Jewish authorities, they would be arguing the point, but he says that it's through faith. Amen. He says it's through faith. And now Paul's telling his audience what a life of righteousness through faith, what it looks like. So what it's going to look like. Notice his use of therefore. Making it clear that what he's already said in chapters uh, uh, 1 to 11, uh, that righteousness is attained by faith. Here's, now, here's how believers ought to live. He begins with a strong call, urging us, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, to live righteously. To live as though you have been changed by Jesus. Today I'm going to share a, a few uh, ways, five, maybe four, no, actually four ways, on how I did that. So notice right away he says, therefore. Of course, um, when anyone says, therefore, it's usually like coming towards the end. So therefore is not here yet. Therefore is to revert, uh, refer back to everything else that you've said. Eh? On the marae, there's a word for that. It's called hyoyano. Hyoyano. Another word for, so listen up. Eh? Or in saying that, so when you hear that on the marae, uh, when you go to a marae and you hear that on the marae, the komatua usually he's bringing his kōrero to a bit of an end, and so therefore um, comes in. Then he says, in view of the mercies of God. So I'm just going to do a little um, translation. So in view of the mercies of God, so since... God has shown his mercy on us, then he urges us to do something. I urge you to present yourself, or to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So we know that because Jesus sacrificed on our behalf, amen. We are rescued from sin, we are now made new, we are adopted as children of God, we have some uh, a home prepared for us in heaven. An eternal paradise awaits us. Paul's saying, so since God's shown you mercy, he, since God's shown me mercy, Jesus, uh, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, we are to live like living sacrifices now. Wait, what? I've got to live like a living sacrifice now. What? What's that mean? It means we are to live our lives such as a way that our lives are holy and pleasing to God. By the way, Paul's going to, he goes into a bit of specifics of what life looks like uh, with that. He then ends the verse by uh, pointing out uh, this act of living as a sacrifice. It's not actually an act of obligation, which I used to think it was. God saved my life. I'm obligated to go out there and do his will. It's actually not, he points out that it's not an act of obligation. But he says here, this is your true worship. This is your true worship. 
How many of us here know that when we live as sacrifices, we are worshipping the Lord? We're worshipping the Lord. We should desire to glorify and worship God as, a, as we live and our lives in sacrifice to God. He then talks about the part of, of the transformation part. I like this part. He says in verse 2, do not be conformed. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. Be transformed. We're not to be like everyone else in this world. And in this age, we are instead to be like Jesus and to be all who he created us to be. God has a purpose. Sins change us. And sins distorted God's image of us. However, in Jesus, we are healed. Amen. In Jesus, we are transformed. So let us continue to be transformed by the power of Jesus Paul tells us how we are to be transformed. He says you are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, but I'm so used to my ways, Lord. You are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'll tell you what, Fano, um, Christianity is emotional. It's an emotional relationship. I love Jesus. Jesus saved my life. I'm filled with the joy of God. I feel very, very blessed every day. However, Christianity is also a mental relationship too. We can't just feel it. We've got to know it. Amen. We've got to know that Jesus is king. We've got to know that we are dead to sin. We've got to feel it. We have to know that we are alive in Jesus and know that God can separate us from God, or nothing can separate us from God. That we, you and I, are sons and daughters of the living King, the Most High. Can I preach today? When the world seeks to deceive you, renew your mind. When you forget all that God has done for you, renew your mind. When sin seems to be more appealing to you than anything else, renew your mind. And what happens when we renew our mind? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> when we renew our minds, then we may discern what is good and pleasing. What is, or is, is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God? When we renew our minds, we may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I don't know about you, but I want to fulfill the will of God, which means that I need to know the will of God. If we renew our minds, then we can know the will of God. Hallelujah. How can I renew my mind? Wow. I'll let you know how I've done it. I've got a few ways, four ways that we can renew our mind. And then I'm, I'm, I'm nearly there finally. Number one, if you were taking notes, read your Bible. I've, I've heard many stories of people that are dyslexic, they can't read. I'm one of them. But through God, I went to Bible college. I finished school at 13. I went to Bible college. I didn't know how to do any of this. But I only went because he told me to. And praise God. When I pray for him, every single day, you know, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. When you ask for God to help you to understand, he gives it. When you ask God to help you to read, he gives it. Of course he will. It's his will. So read your Bible. It is the living word of God. I say to everybody, if you even just read just a little bit every day, this, if, 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 if God's will here was here for us, if we're reading just a little bit just a day, even if it's just a verse, you're growing. You're growing in God. Psalms 119 uh, verse 11 says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Number two. Oh, so what was number one? 
Read your Bible. Number two, prayer. Pray. I know for some of us, the hardest thing to do. When I first met God in that garage, when I was trying to take my life, and I met God, I was like, whoa, how do I talk to you now? Man, you can't stop me now. You can't stop me. Man, I, 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 I talked to God every single, as soon as I got here, I was like, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for the win, but <laughs> you didn't get the win. <laughs> but, you know, pray. Prayer brings connection. My wife and I speak every day. Every single day, even when she's at work, I'm at work, we speak every day. We talk every day. Can you imagine what our marriage would be like if we didn't? If we didn't talk every day, how distant we would come? How disconnected we would become? Prayer brings conversation. Prayer, God wants to be in relationship with you. So prayer brings connection. So you'll be connected to God through prayer. Amen? Number one was, number two, this is a teaching session today, isn't it? Number three, Fano is fellowship. I can't stress how much fellowship is important. Hang out with godly people. If you're new to, to this church, hang out with godly people. Proverbs tells us, iron sharpens iron. I never really got, got that, eh? when I first come to the Lord, and one person sharpens another, but then when you see, you know, a butcher, and he's like, shh, 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 it gets sharpened, the life gets sharper. There's another scripture that also says, it says, um, bad company corrupts good character. I say this, you are who you hang out with. I only hang out with gang members. I only hang out with bad people. And so I was destined to become one. So fellowship with like-minded people, the people that want the same as you, freedom, to be loved, to want that, you know, that neglect gone, that rejection gone, to be delivered. Hang out with those people. Hang out with them. And so, actually, what's that? Well, you, you got lucky today. There's only three. So, read your Bible. This is how I've done it. This is how I managed to become transformed in God. Read your Bible. Pray. Prayer and supplication and fellowship with godly people. Actually, um, I'm going to honor um, somebody that you didn't know. about uh, Neil Schrader and Nikki, um, I actually met them uh, towards the beginning of my walk in Christ um, when I was at um, C3 Church. And so they've seen the transformation. They were in the church when I went to Bible college. And to be here today, to see them today, man, what a blessing today. Love you, Neil. He took me out fishing out in Wrangler one time. I nearly spewed up most of the day. Yeah. I want to conclude this, but th there's one more thing that we need, Fano. <sighs> but I want to conclude. You're wondering why I've got a bag up here. I'm just going to share a little illustration to end off, okay? So it ends on a bit of a good note. And to be um, completely honest, I didn't want to do this, but because um, it felt a bit un uncomfortable and a bit um, cringy and a bit cheesy, but my wife knows me, that's me. I'm cringy. I love dad jokes. So the best way that we can live a transformed life in Christ is live his life through us. Live Christ's life through you. Let him live his life through you. So I want to try and illustrate shape this. All right? Lord, help me. This is a glove. Can we all agree? This is a glove. This glove does hard work. It's made for a purpose. It's made to do dishes. It's made to do 
Gardening is made to do work. It's very durable. It's very strong, actually. You pull it, you can stretch it. It's very strong. So it's made very, very well, even though it's probably made in China. So this is a, gl a glove, and it has a purpose, to work, right? To work. And so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to try and get it to do some work. So what I want to do, let's see if this works. I'm going to say, glove, pick up that Bible. Nothing, eh? Nothing happens. Pick up that Bible now. No. It's not going to happen. It doesn't do anything, right? Well, maybe I need to give it some encouragement. You can do this. You can, come on, you can do this. Well, maybe actually he needs some training. Maybe he needs some discipleship, actually. You need some, you want, you, you, would you like some discipleship? Actually, we'll do some one-on-one -on -one with him. Come on, glove. What you need to do is just put that finger over there, put that finger over there, and then you got this. You can grab that Bible. Come on. Maybe what the, actually, maybe what the glove just needs, let's try this. Maybe the glove needs some fellowship. Maybe he needs some fellowship, right? So we've actually got some um, bicultural fellowship going on now. Yep. How's it going? How's it going? Oh, pick up the Bible? No, still won't pick it up. Even though you've got all your bros around you, you still won't pick it up. Actually, maybe he needs to rededicate himself. Maybe he needs to come up for an altar call. Maybe he needs to get baptized or something. I think you get my point, right? I think you get my point. Even though that the glove was designed, it was designed for a job, it can't do that job unless it has a living hand in it. hand in it, filling every single spot, filling up every single gap in it, right? It needs to fill up all those spaces so that it can do the job that it was designed to do. Amen? Amen? Amen. It needs to be filled. And just like that, you know, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God to be able to fulfill our will that God has designed for us. When God works His will through your life, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. This happens. You know, eventually my wife came along. It took five years of being single, but eventually my wife came along. God's promise. I went to Bible college. I became a youth pastor. I became a pastor. I actually was. A, I actually went out of the country too. I went to a few countries. I've been to. Uh, we just got back from the Philippines for the second time. Went to China. Um, been to Fiji, Rarotonga. I've been to. It was a beautiful day. We got married up on in the Hokianga, a little place called Opononi. Little patch of grass. We drove past it one day. We saw a little patch of grass, and then me. I don't know how I found it. Well, we went on onto the notice board for Opanuni. Who owns this little patch of grass? And then apparent and then we found someone who knew the owner. The owner lived in London. Emailed the owner in London and then he let us have that little patch of grass for our wedding. Free. I crashed my car twice on that day, but I was so nervous I backed into a tree and then backed into a car. Oh my gosh. But through God's transformation. Amazing things happen, Fano. I'm, I'm a business owner now. We own a business called Fariki Ministries, which is actually mentoring youth, uh, mentoring the youth from here, Rahui Pokeka as well. But I, I, get the, I get the ones that are, have gone down the wrong track. They're on the wrong track now, and I try to steer them back into this, um, you know, this, um, the right track through education, through identity. I really believe firmly they, that our youth of today, uh, they have no sense of identity. 
And so I take them on, on an identity journey. And through that identity journey, they find out who they are. Because if you don't know who you are, then you question your purpose. And if you question your purpose, you got, you're, you're sitting here, you're like, well, what's the use then? And so that's our, our, our business is youth mentoring. I, I mentor kids between the ages of 10 and 14. Uh, most of them have been doing, um, you know, uh, the Ram Raids. So I get the, I get the bad ones. Our program is called Nga Tamapai. Changing the narrative. Natamapai means the good boys. Changing the narrative. This is us in the Philippines. We just actually this picture here, Fano, on the bottom right. That was me and my brother-in-law um, trying to get into. Oh, we were going into the prison over in the, in the Philippines, in um, Mandaluyong. And you know what? We made it through the first security gate and the second one, um, but we got kicked out. I've never been kicked out of prison before. Never, never. And I have a beautiful relationship with my parents. That's my mother and my father now. Beautiful relationship with my parents. God restored our relationship. God restored all that resentment. God restored all and brought forgiveness. God brought it all. He brought it all back. He brought it all back. Family restoration. If I've said anything today, I want to leave something with you. Do not be conformed to this world. This world will deceive you. This world will destroy you. This world will take you down the, narrow, the, the, the wide gate. I want to leave this with you. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Amen. I just want to say, if you're, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus... And you don't know if this Jesus is real. I want to tell you today, he is real. He is real and he's living. He's not a far off God that we've heard about. He's not this, this big name. He is that big name, but he lives. He lives inside us. And I just want to, so I just want to tell you, I just want to make this call to you, that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, You can feel something stirring in your puku. You can feel something stirring in your in your in your gut. I just want to tell you that's a spiritual stirring. That's a spiritual stirring. And if you want to make a spiritual if you want to make a physical response to that spiritual stirring, I don't know if you do that. I don't know if you do this here. But I just wonder if we can all close our eyes and just pray. And if that's you and you know that I'm talking to you. I just want to pray this prayer with you. The way that we come, uh, come to the Lord, it's called a salvation prayer. The Bible says in Romans 10.9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior and you will be saved. You'll be saved from sin. I'll, I'll promise you now, it won't be easy, but you will be saved from sin and go into an eternal ever life afterwards. I just want to pray this prayer with you. If this is you, you can feel that stir. Can we all close our eyes and just in reverence to this moment? I just want to say, if you would repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I don't want to be no more. I want to live for you. Please come into my life. I believe that your son Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again on the third day. Please come into my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to say welcome. No mind, heart of mind. I'm going to conclude there. Thank you very much for having me, Fano. Um, if you'd like some prayer, I'm here um, to pray for you. I will stay around for a while. Me and my wife will stay around for a while, uh, for a little while to pray. I'd also say if, if um, you need some, some counsel, I'm probably not the guy. I'll leave that to you or your leaders in the church 
come and see your leaders. But if you if something's resonated with you and you want to, you know, need some counsel around it, I'd say come and see your leadership team around here. If the leadership team will come up. But um, I just want to just say, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you. Um, just thank you. For me and my whanau, uh, thank you. Lorera, tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou katoa. This is where you clap. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.